This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Love strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen proudly sponsored by the stfc official supporters club rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! Considering that we're recording this episode during the lockdown, I hope you and your family are all doing well at this time. We're doing good, mate. Um, I'll be honest, we can't complain. I live in a really, really lucky to live in a nice, a nice spot. That's um, it's got lots of uh, countryside and you know access to the outdoors, and we've got the garden as well. So, in that respect, we're, we're we're very lucky, and we're able to go for walks and stuff like that. So, we've not been. It's, it's, it's been it's been fine for us. I know a lot of people have been struggling, and there's a lot of people in flats, and I've got two, three kids in a one bedroom flat or something, or two bedroom flat, you know. So, uh, in terms of that, we've been really lucky. So, I've seen some of your uh, picturesque jogs, and it's yeah, <laughs> look, it looks like a nice part uh, of the world to be in. So lucky, mate. I mean, I've got my, my daughter's fifteen months, well, sixteen months actually today. Um, so she's just running about crazy at the moment, so it's brilliant. She's just loving it in, in the garden and stuff. Um, and, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, the whole overall situation isn't great, and obviously there's been a lot of, a lot of people really struggled, and, and there's been a lot of sadness, but at the same time, um, it's been a good spell to see my, my daughter growing up, which I probably would have missed a, a good part of, you know, so it's, um, it's been nice to 
it's been nice being together as a family. Absolutely, and I mean, at this stage, normally I ask, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of people during this lockdown because it's a great opportunity for people to, you know, relieve boredom and things like that because uh, current yeah. players can, can't get out on the football pitch and they can't go out and about, so they talk to me, which is great, and I ask them what they're watching and things like that, but one thing that yeah. really struck out to me with yourself is you've launched this sort of passion project which is mgk on uh on instagram my greatest yeah. hits tell me about that well I, i'm just started that i'm needing to get and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get more into it as we go but no it's I, I used to have a blog a long time ago and one of the, the sections on it i used to like talking about the kits that i either owned or played in i don't know i don't know why i've always just liked the whole culture surrounding the Football shots I've always, always, since I was a, a, young, a young boy, just loved, and it was not necessarily always the team that I supported, but just loved the different the variety and the different kits, and there were some crackers about when I was growing up, you know, that 80s, late 80s, early 90s, um, there was some absolute belters, so, you know, I just always, that was what I was, you know, if you asked me what I saved my pocket money up for, it, it, was, a, it was a new, it, it was a football strip, and um that was that. Me and my friends, we used to just always, that's what we wore all the time. My mum used to go crazy. She'd be like, oh, you can't just keep wearing football straps. You can't just... And it was like, a, it was a race for her to get it in and out of the wash as quick as possible, you know what I mean? So that was me and my brother, just, that's how we lived in. Yeah, I've got my fair share of um, kits from the early 90s. So I've got, you know, like in mm. England away. I've got the West Germany oh. 1991. Have you still got it? I've, I've one original... And oh. I've got one replica, which is uh, which is the one I can wear out and about, which is really, really nice. And the best from that era, because we're all kids of Syria, mm. we, we're raised oh. in the 90s, is the Sampdoria ERG 186. Oh. Lovely stuff. Mate, you're, you're, listening to, you're listening to my voice here. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, that, that West Germany one, or the Germany oh, one, it's just, it's iconic, isn't it? And, yes. and it's, I had that one as well, and I've, I've not still got it, obviously, but um, it's brilliant that you've still got yours, and you talk about that Sam one, I mean, unbelievable way, you know, soonest wore it, but I think Viali as well. That's when he was the one, there. that's the um, area, actual yeah. Viali one, the RG one. Yeah, brilliant. But no, it, it's, what, what it's going to be is kind of going to condense it a wee bit for Instagram. I think it's a good visual thing. Mm. Um, I'm going to just try and give you some wee stories behind the ones that I owned as a kid and, and the ones that I played in and, and also, I'm going to try and get some special guests on there, and um, because I think, you know, I think people uh, are, are players certainly keep all their kits, or they just have really good. I think a, a kit can jog your memory about something. Like as soon as you say that Sampdoria kit, I'm thinking about Viali. Do you know what I mean? Or I'm thinking about West Germany right away. Klinsmann or Matthias comes into my mind. You know, so I think you get, I think you can pull these stories out of, you know, different different eras uh, eras where you've got the different kits as well you know what I mean yeah absolutely and I look forward to following it as, as cool. it goes along but when you're when you're a kid wearing these different club shirts who was your team who did you support when you were younger well it started off Liverpool and the reason being it was um, it was basically the Scottish contingent of um, kind of the Gleeson and Graeme Souness my dad's favourite player was, Ken, uh, was Graeme Souness and I ended up Obviously, I love Kenny as well, but Kenny Douglas was my favourite player. I just thought he was incredible. Um, and, and the first shot I ever got was a um, Hitachi Liverpool yeah. Umbro Hitachi one, um, and my mum sewed them because you know you didn't you didn't iron things on. <laughs> In the days, it was a sewn number. She got me a white number seven 
uh, she sewed it on the back and that was my first kit and um, I think Liverpool have always been through through the years I've always been there but we, you know obviously the Scottish teams um, I was a uh, I think when Soonis came back in 1986 to Scotland and he went to Rangers and um, I always liked Rangers but my dad loved Soonis and he started taking the Ibrox and they just started signing guys like Terry Butcher, Gary Stevens, Trevor Steven, uh, Ray Wilkins and it was just unbelievable to see these guys up in Scotland so it was brilliant and so Rangers were my team um, after that for a few years because you know I was going to the games but then they started winning the leagues got more expensive my dad couldn't afford to take me so I ended up going to the local team uh, which was Airdrie Airdrie mm-hmm. Onions um, my friend was a ball boy there and another I never nice back. kit as well it was another nice oh, kit with the red sort of a diamond diamond mate. yeah diamond yeah because it goes all the way over the back some people say it's a V but you can you know I'm being pure kit nerd here at the moment <laughs> but it's like the diamond so it goes you know the both sides and that's their nickname of diamonds and you know it was we used to go home and away. I used to go on the, the, the bus to the away games and, and it was season ticket when you were that age, you know, 10, 11, 12. Season tickets were like 65 quid or something, you know what I mean? Um, so some great memories from going there and I suppose Airdrie, Airdrie was my team from then on uh, and my brother ended up playing for them as well. So there was a real connection in the family. Yeah, I mean... This era that you're talking about, especially in England, you, you didn't have a successful English team without a couple of Scots in there, did you? It was that's, just it was well, yeah, that's right. You go back to even further than that, like Leeds, um, and 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 the Leeds teams and Spurs and all, and all those. I mean, there was always Scottish players and all the all the most successful teams. It's you know, it's, it's sad now that there's not that. I mean, but even it's even hard now for English players to be in those those big teams now. You know what I mean? And and making real impact. But no, you're right. It was a it was a real Scotland had some brilliant players. You have Dave Mackay's, um, you know, Soonis and Douglas. I thought I thought I thought and Douglas were were outstanding. They could have played with any national team. I know it's just unfortunate they were probably Scottish because they didn't have as much impact. Yeah, on a national level, as they probably could have had if they'd maybe been, you know, a different nationality. Yeah. Well, you had Colin Calderwood and Duncan Shearer, and that's all that matters. <laughs> Do you know what? Like Colin Calderwood, I was watching Euro 96 the other day, and he was playing centre half with Colin Henry in it, and uh, ah, he, he, he done all right, actually. He was good, and obviously for done, was, was brilliant for Swindon, wasn't he? Very much so, yeah. Probably mm-hmm. stayed longer than he, than he may have, should have. Perhaps mm-hmm. you know for his career, but when he left, he still you know represented Scotland at a Euros and a World Cup and played yeah. in the Premier League. So I, th- I don't think he's got any regrets. He's been on this podcast and he was amazing. Oh, brilliant! I mean, I think I almost played against Duncan Shearer. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure. I might have, I might have, have crossed him just have just when I was just when he was at Aberdeen. Um, but he was oh, he was a handful, um, <laughs> big strong striker. Um, and uh, you know, I had a couple of cracking Aberdeen kits as well. Yes. But um, no, I think Scottish players in those days, it was like almost a manager thought, right, we know what we're going to get out of them, total 100% effort. And I think they kind of almost had this, the spine of your team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's talk about your journey to Dundee United because you're not from Dundee, as you've already pointed out mm. there. So when did it become apparent that you had the potential to join a team that was 
you know, very well supported, is well, very support, well supported, very successful, especially in the 80s, like Dundee United. It was, um, well, when it, the route was through the school football, so really young, I was playing for a, a boys club team uh, under 10s, and I, I played for actually the same boys club up until I was 15, but through the school sort of select teams where you got, you know, you got picked for your county um, and your region. Um, the, the guys that were taking those teams were, were Dundee United coaches, um, chief scouts and head of head of youth stuff and that. And not not the same as it is now, but they, they were really good. They, they were the ones that had like, you know, scouted all the good players that came through. Andy McLaren at the time, Robbie Winters, Duncan Ferguson, even that, that, that era, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so they guys were taking those teams and I, you know, they asked me to come to, go, come to training, um, but I was still happy to play with my boys club because my dad never ever wanted me to sign for, just say, go and sign, and at that time it was schoolboy forums for, say, Dundee United. It's the same as joining an academy now, I suppose. It was just because he didn't ever want me to get to the stage where I'd be in there for, say, four or five years and then at the end of it they don't want me and I'm then I'm sitting here going, right, <laughs> what have I just done for the last four or five years? So basically he didn't didn't want me to do that. He wanted me to concentrate on my school, enjoy my football with the boys club, enjoy playing with the select teams and going to uh, but, but but really I was treated I was treated as if I was a signed Dundee United player right up until I did sign for them when I was sixteen. Um and I would I would go up with Dundee and all the school holidays and um it was brilliant. It was just excellent. I mean, I had a really good upbringing with the, my dad, obviously, but with my boys' club. My boys' club was excellent. But adding that, when you went to Dundee United, you knew you were just going up a wee stage and you were getting more information and more detail. And the coaching was superb. And really, for a team like that to be interested in me, I was really, it was one of those that you were like, Oof, they've got a really good reputation for bringing through young players. And that was why I ultimately decided to sign for them when I was 16. Yeah, but were there anyone else? Was there anyone else interested? Yeah, because I kind of left my options open because I wasn't signed to anybody, and it was probably the best way to do it. I could have went to Stoke City, um, and that would have been handy for me because my auntie lives in Macclesfield, mm-hmm. and I used to go down there and stay with her and go to you know Stoke. But um, and I, you know, I was I would go down and play some trial games and training with Stoke, and you know they were very keen. Um, I think I was going Macari at the time, um, but. You know, it was, I don't know, just I felt a wee bit of loyalty to Dundee United, but also I thought it was, it was a bit, I was looking at how quickly can I put in a first team? And I was looking at the guys that were playing in Dundee United's team and they were all young. They were all 19, 18, 19, 20, 21 guys. Guys like Christian Daly, Billy McAnally and that. Obviously he was a wee bit older, but they'd been playing, come through the system and stuff. And I just thought, well, if, that, that's happened to them, you know. They're obviously keen to give young players a chance, and that was it. that was why I went there. Yeah, well, uh, it was a gamble that paid off because he certainly got your chance very, very early. Nineteen ninety-seven, wasn't it? So you're what? That's right. Sixteen, seventeen. Uh, I was seventeen. Just, um, I mean, I was really lucky. They took me to their pre-season tours. To um, the first one, I think, was to Denmark with Billy Kirkwood. And I was just, I was just in the door, and it was like wow. Um, I played really well in a, a an under six an under seventeen tournament in Germany, and when we come back, the gaffer just went right. You're coming with us, and I was just like wow, this is amazing. <laughs> and so that was brilliant, and um, and just getting involved with them then, 
that so young helped my confidence and um, I was really focused, really focused and I said we had a great youth team and I was still playing for the youth team but in the days it was like a real progression, you had to be good in, in the youth team, then you had to prove yourself in the reserves before you even get a sniff at the first team, it wasn't like sometimes nowadays I feel people just go bang, right, they're in um, you really had to and, and I know it happened really quickly but I did. Um, I was playing at one point, probably all three teams almost, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but great place to learn my trade, and you know, and as I said, they weren't frightened to give young players an opportunity back then. Yeah, and I think you come through with trying to think players that this is might know um, Stephen Thompson. Yeah. Come through with you who exactly. played for Scotland. Yeah. So that's pretty pretty decent stuff. There, loads of players but, that you go through in your career that. That either were veterans then, like Stuart McKimmy, Aberdeen, uh, Stephen Presley, Morris Malpass, of course, who we'll talk about. Don't worry well, about I that. To, <laughs> I used to do, um, as well, Tom was, my, Tom was my best mate, you know, and they're uh, known, known the big man and a lot of those guys since I was 13. So we came through almost, we came through from the same, we, we were training together since we were 13 and then ended up playing first team football and it was just, uh, he turned around in a game, so so I remember one time we playing. We got in the we were in the UEFA Cup, and um, we were playing. It was Andorra, see Prince apart from Andorra, and the guys were all they were only part time, but we absolutely Tankins, battered yeah. them. Yeah, Twice, we battered yeah. them. But just turning around and Big Tom, I remember him scoring. I think I had a shot. Keeper saved it, and the big man followed up, and then you're like going celebrating in the UEFA Cup with your mate that you played with since you were thirteen. You know what I mean? It's it's pretty cool, you know. It was it was really good. It was a, it was a really good um, thing to come through with these guys. Yeah, and then there were plenty of you know been there, done that, and you know I'm going to get self indulgent because one of the no. sort of names from when I was a kid, um, he scored a really important goal for Rangers in the cup, Gary McSwagan. And, oh. you know, he's one of these guys who only got capped a couple of times. He, you know, he didn't have an outstanding career, but because of what he did at the very start for Rangers, he, he's, a, he's a massive name in my head, but nobody else is. Well, I loved him because I, at the time I was going to see Rangers, um, and I remember, well, just a wee bit after, I still obviously loved, loved Rangers as well. And I remember the goal um, that he scored. It was a header mm. against Marseille, and it actually swerves. Yeah. I think it's a Marseille game, and he, he somehow he used to just have this shot. He used to take a touch out his feet, turn, and he'd, he'd quite a big. I don't think Swiggy will mind me saying he'd quite a big arse, <laughs> <laughs> and he used it to good effect. And it, huge thighs, so you'd only need to get a wee sort of didn't even need much back lift, and um, had a great strike. And to be actually playing with a guy that I used to go and watch. Um, and see scoring these goals, like you said, you've you've got these goals in your mind about Gary McSweden. I mean, I mean, there were some cracking players at the time in that in, in that in that Dundee United team, um, and they obviously signed quite a few Scandinavians oh at the time. And, so and I cre- and I credit that to you know really. I'm not saying the Scottish boys weren't professional, not at all, but they they probably they were ahead of the time you know what I'm saying yeah. in terms of the recovery in terms of what they did listen they loved a, they loved a drink and they loved a party as much as the rest of them but they worked their, they absolutely worked their tails off in training they trained as hard as they played and um, you know, a few things really and they were great with the young Scottish lads absolutely brilliant I think a lot of that it was a good time to be 
a young apprentice learning his trade. Yeah. Let's talk about the McLeans. Tommy, your manager, and Jim, the legend. Um, Paul Caddis was on was on a few weeks ago, and he was coached by Tommy in the Rangers youth setup, and mentioned yeah. he was very old school. Um, what were your experiences of working with those guys? Tommy was old school, but he, he's right. Paul's right, but um, he really Tommy was the one that gave him a chance because he he was the one that just said right. And I remember him one day we were going to play. It was the Coca-Cola Cup, um, and it was a it was a semi-final. And he says to me, right, and he used to call me Doug. And although that sounds like a kind of derogatory term, it was a, it, it was because I used to get about the park so much and get about and get into people. And he, was, he used to say, "I was like a dog, like <laughs> <laughs> a dog." So um, he says, "Doug, come here," and I went over and I'm like, "Okay." And he says, "By the way, you're playing tomorrow. You're starting," and I'm like, "Okay." And it was just like. Just go and do what you've been doing in the, the under 18s and the reserves. Just go and just just go and do exactly what you've been doing, and it was a massive game. And I just remember him, and, and it was just you know Paul's maybe right in terms of how he how he approached things. He wasn't a bit old school, but man, man, he went wise with me. He gave me so much confidence just by actually throwing me in, believing in me, and just going right, go and crack on. Um, and what I liked about him was that he would listen, he would get up in your face and he's only wee. He was a tiny wee guy, five foot, maybe five, five, six, if you're lucky. And um, he'd be standing. So he was at a good height when you were sitting down, he'd be right in your face, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he used to go through you sometimes. But next morning, you would come in and be thinking, oh, no. And he would be in the corridor and he would just go, morning, Doug. And I used to go, I'd be getting a head down here and I'm kind of mumbling. And he went, I said, morning, how you doing? You all right? And I'm like, all right, gaffer. And honestly, that was it. Forgotten about next day, bang, we're back at it. You know what I mean? So I loved it. I loved working under Tommy. I thought he was, he was a really good coach, actually, as well. Um, very good coach. And what I thought, what I take from his sessions now as a coach is that you trained the way you played. Um, and it was full on. Thursday sessions were full on. You were actually thinking, by the way, somebody could get hurt here. But it was just, you had you ready to go on a Saturday. Yeah. In terms of your first season, season and a half, you, you, you're involved in quite a lot very early in your career. So you make your debut, 17, against Aberdeen, big win. You play in a cup final the following season. You're also in the, Euro, um, the UEFA Cup. Um mm. You 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 experienced a lot in that first year that many in Scotland would have never experienced or experienced over like a decade. Do you see it like that? Um, no, listen, it's very hard. That it's only now that I've probably started thinking back about my career because see, when you're playing, you just think about the next thing in front of you. I think that's the way I've always approached it. But yeah, I suppose when I, when I think back on it now, it's like those, that first year, year and a half was was, was pretty. You know, as you say, a lot of things for 17 and a half, 18 year old to experience when I think about a lot of the guys now that aren't, aren't, aren't really coming and playing until they're 19, 20. Um, and I, and I, I got to the, I was nominated for the Young Player Year as well. Um, and I never even thought that was much a big deal, I suppose. But, you know, looking back on it now, it probably was. But, um, I just was taking all my strides, you know. It was, 
you've not got the same worries as you have when you're a veteran, a veteran you know what I mean? You're like, <laughs> you're in digs, um, you've no bills to pay, you're playing football, you're, you're living the dream, I suppose. Um, and I just think I was taking everything in my stride at the time, you know, I never stopped to think about if this was, you know, and I just kind of was hungry to try and achieve more and I probably, I'll be honest, mate, I probably peaked then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, I don't know, it just it was it was just one of those things you just keep rolling and you just keep playing and you just keep working hard and, and enjoying it and, and it was what I'd wanted to do and I, I, I didn't see I didn't, I probably didn't even feel any pressure at that time. You know, it was just it was, it was a good place to be. That UEFA Cup run was well, two rounds, but I think it really encapsulates the first that can be the UEFA Cup because like you said, you play <laughs> Principat. You, you tonk them eight and nine nil respectively, mm. and then you have to play Trabzonspor in the next oh. round, who are like third, fourth best team in Turkey, and it, you give them a good go, but it just it it's just uneven, isn't it? it, it there should be a there should be a like a fairer sort of running in that competition. Yeah, they? it was it was a bit of a we we knew that was going to be tough. Um, they were a very good side, and you know what, we did give them a good go, but in, I don't you know we went to Turkey and. Um, I remember we, we pulled up at this hotel in the middle of this church on sport and, and it was like five star, it was unreal. We, like, round about the place wasn't great. Um, and then we goes in, we went in this hotel and it's just marble. The dinner was unbelievable. The food was brilliant. And then we go to our rooms and, the, and it was kind of built so that there was like a courtyard in the middle, big sort of atrium thing, right? And all the rooms are round about this. So some are facing out to the street. So they've given all of us the, f- the rooms that are facing out to the street. And across the street is this abandoned, half-built, must, must have been a, a you know, apartment block. So there's no, it's just basically a shell. And all of a sudden, we, you know, we're ready to go to our beds and all of a sudden we can hear this music and we can hear people shouting. And then we look across the road and there's people who get have got fires in this place and they've got music on and they basically just went and were just making noise the whole night. And the boys never got a winky sweep. And then um, we had to we had to change hotel. <laughs> to change <laughs> had to change hotel and we had to go to this one that was a wee bit further out and on the coast. It wasn't as good, but um just crazy. We went to, we went to the game really early of trying to avoid the crowds and they were already in some fans were already in the stadium and there were a big guy called Davy Sinclair and um, he played down at Millwall and that as well and I remember him when he, he was going out and he was doing you remember Hulk, Hulk Hogan used to do that and cup his ear of course I do yeah so he was doing Hulk Hogan to these fans and we were going thinking this is not a good idea mate <laughs> you're already mental and um, I was ended up warming up with him behind the goal uh, I was on the bench with Sinky and it was just we were getting hit with everything batteries, coins, you name it. And Sinky actually there was all these riot police there. They're on they were all they weren't doing anything. They'd shields, they'd the full body armour on and they'd Alsatians and everything. And I remember Sinky going up to one of them them and going, Oh pal, what are you gonna do about this? And he just was looking at him, the dog's ready to go for him and I'm thinking, Sinky, you're mental. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> we need to get out of here alive, you know. So that was an experience. What an experience that was. Um, and you know we, we gave a good account of ourselves, but you know going to Turkey and 
playing with that atmosphere and or, or just experiencing that atmosphere was, was brilliant. Yeah. As much as I would love to, I can't go through each and every one of your seasons because we'd be here no, until you know course. the early hours. But there's a, there's a few sort of general questions that I have because I mean you played hundreds of times in the top flight for Dundee United and then mm. on top of that Livingston, which we'll get to in just a minute. And this is an era, and maybe it's because I'm a teenager at this time, but Scottish football was really really fun. It was good, mm. you know. There was a lot of stuff going on, and Celtic had iconic players Rangers did as well and there were plenty of great players in the other teams as well is it annoying as a player for one of the non-old firm teams to be in that league when you know other than you know when you look at your record against the old firm clubs for every sort of minor yeah. skirmish victory you get you lose the wars comprehensively is that well, frustrating hang <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're trying to say there, absolutely yeah <laughs> no you're right we it's tough because, but I I look forward to those games. Like those are the games you actually. <laughs> the other ones were the ones that you were, and I, not, not I'm not trying to be frivolous here, but the ones became those the other ones became tedious in a way because you're playing each other four times a season, yeah. and all right at the start everything's new and brilliant, but you know you're, you're six seasons in and you're playing Motherwell for the fourth time, and it might even be the fifth or sixth if you get them in a the cup. And you're just like you know, like, you know each other inside out. But every time you go to Ibrox, every time you go to Celtic Park, or even every time they come to you, it's brilliant because you know you're going to be testing yourself against the best players, um, excellent players like you mentioned, guys like Hern- Henry Larson, you know Chris Sutton, John Harpson, Maravchik, Ail Berkovic, you know uh, Rangers, Amoruso, and uh, um, Gaza, you know. I've even just played against Gaza, you know, that still kinda you know, blows my mind because you know, he was he was an absolute legend. Um but no those were the games and even though you did listen, there's been times when you're looking up at the clock at Celtic Park and it's three 0 and you're and there's only twenty there's twenty minutes being played <laughs> and you're going, Oh no you know, but there's other times where they took them close. I think we probably had more we had more joy against Rangers than we did against Celtic. Um, remember beating Rangers at Ibrox and all, and had to having a couple of decent results against them at Tannadice. Uh, we beat we beat Celtic at Tannadice once as well. But I think Scotland over the near, most, I, I did. I, I was, you know, um, I was meant to be man Martin. I, I actually was meant to be man Martin. I Alberta which I did. Um, and if you look at the highlights, I didn't do a great job to be fair. But I got lucky. We got very lucky that day. But I scored a decent goal and then I took my top off and I got booked and it was only like, I think it was only 15 minutes in and I'm, and I'm like, what have I just done? I'm meant to be marking Ayo Berkovic and I can't even touch him now. And used to in the days you could get a good two or three, you know, you could get a good two or three solid challenges before you would even get talked to. So um, I probably killed myself then. But uh, no, those games, those were the ones that you, you really look forward to. But and in terms of the whole Scottish football was better then in terms of the players that were in the league I, I would definitely say that but um, it does. Be, it did become it's like you're, you're playing for third place or you're playing for a cup final and yeah. that's it you know and it's still the same Can a third team emerge? No no because the, the golf's too it's too wide in terms of the, the, the money um, Aberdeen had a right good go at it 
a few years ago, and I think Rangers were still coming up um, through the divisions. But Aberdeen, you know, they, they pushed Celtic close for a spell. Um, but even then, that had its shelf life because you can't keep, you know, the turnover of players from Aberdeen and you know how hard it is for Derek McInnes um, to, you know, keep keep that level going when Celtic can do it. I'm just listen. Celtic's still a great achievement. I'm not taking anything away from them, mm. but. It's easier because they can sign better players. In fact, you know, Celtic, let's be honest, they, they, they're signing the players they're signing or trying to sign is because they're trying to compete in Europe. It's not it's not for them to win the Scottish Premier League. <laughs> yeah. You know. Same with Rangers in the time that they did it. I mean, did they need, did they need the players that they had they had? Did they need the divorce to go and win the Premier League? Probably not. But it was to try and compete in Europe. Yeah. Um and you know, and they're still quite far away from that, you know. Outside of the old firm, who did you enjoy playing against? Uh, Aberdeen, because uh, I used to score against them quite a lot, you know. Um, it was weird, I don't know why. We had some great results against Aberdeen over the years. And I always used to coincide with it. I don't take any joy in it, but it, it always coincided with if we beat Aberdeen a 4-1 or a 5-1, it would, the, the, inevitably it would be the, the, the nail in the coffin for the, whichever manager was there. And I kind of always felt, I don't know, just I got my first goal against them in that Coca-Cola Cup semi-final. And then after then, I, got, I just kind of was lucky, lucky or, or just kind of had the had the sign over them for a, for a few seasons, Dundee United. And, and to be honest, that was probably a big game for us because Aberdeen, Dundee, it wasn't a derby as such. Obviously, Dundee's a big derby, but it was almost like the next tier down. Do you know what I mean? So... That was what everybody used to. I think they used to call it the new firm that was done United Aberdeen. I think that's what they used to call it back then. Um, obviously, when it was McLean and and and, and Ferguson. Um, so no, Aberdeen used to like playing against them. And I used to really like going to like Hearts because it's a nice tight me. The stadium always feels really. The stands are really quite close, quite high. So you always felt, you know, quite enclosed there. But listen. The, there were some great we, there were some great stadiums in Scotland and, and all, but going to Celtic Park and Ibrox were just absolutely incredible. I mean, it's during this time as well, of course, that you're managed by Paul Sturrock for mm-hmm. the first time as well. Again, a Dundee United legend. What were your experience? Because that's his that's his early stages of management. So, what what was he like in those early days? He'd done really well at St Johnson because yeah. they, you know, they're a team that kind of just go under the radar not got a big budget and he did, he did really well there. He came he came to United and obviously carries a lot of, he's a legend as a player so it's a lot of, it was a bit of pressure for him. Um, I, I played some of my best football under Paul and I just from that from then on it was like I remember the day that Tommy resigned and I was absolutely gutted. I was actually with Scotland under 21s and in Latvia and a journalist came up to me and went, Tommy McLean's just resigned. And I went, oh, you're kidding. Because obviously I was playing every week in the team. And this was kind of the first time that I was going to think, OK, I need to now prove myself again. It's the first time in my career I've got to go and prove myself to, to Paul Sturrock. <laughs> I still don't know if I've pro- proven myself to Paul Sturrock, even though he signed, you know, even though I played for him for three times. Because he's that type of manager, just keeps you on the edge. And... You know, I've been I've been his captain and everything, and I still don't know if, uh, <laughs> how much he rates me. Um, <laughs> I suppose he rates me because he, he he kept signing me, but I don't know. You just don't get that feeling 
where it's a different, you know, I suppose keeping you on the edge is a good way as well, but I didn't ever feel that confidence where, oh, I'm going to play every week under him. I suppose that's how you maybe wanted you to keep, you know, keep your standards up and stuff, but so organised as a manager, very eccentric in terms of, you know, things that he used to do, his hats that he used to wear, just, but he was always really into getting the boys together, created a really good team spirit, um, always liked involving the wives and the girlfriends and the families and, you know, he had some legendary barbecues and stuff like that and, uh, you know, just a different, a different type um, in how he approached things but very, like, very organised and that, that spell at Dundee United he was, he was so keen to do well and I think we did, we did really well for a spell and then it kind of just, it tailed off a bit. Scotland under 21s there and you know you you collected 22 caps mm-hmm. standard question for me we'll get straight to it because I sometimes forget yeah. where are those caps now yeah, my mum and dad's yeah, my mum and dad's you know they, they'll, they'll be in the loft but and some great caps as well Rich you know um, from that <laughs> eight from those times and, and, and swapped a few as well but I always kind of like keep them on I like keeping the Scotland shirt that I played in a lot, so I probably didn't swap as many as maybe I look back on. I wish I did, and I used to give quite a lot away. Um, I, you know, I gave them away to friends and family and different people that have maybe mean mean something and they've done something for me. So I always like to kind of, you know, give them away to some some people and that, you know. So um, yeah, some some great kits, but loved it absolutely. You know, going to different countries, playing for your country, I just um, disappointed. I never managed to get a full cap. That's that's the biggest disappointment, really, for me. Did you get close? I did. I. I mean, I was captain at the time of the Scotland under twenty ones, and then uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd played, you know, quite a few. I, you know, I was I was playing with them since. That's why I've got so many because I was kind of playing eighteen, nineteen, even when it was when it was that that age, but. Um, for, for some reason, you know, I, I suppose my form maybe tapered off at the end of it, but I, I never ever got a chance. Um, I remember when Betty Vokes came in, they played a B game, sort of, um, yeah. I, yeah, against Dundee United, and I probably, I'm not, I never try to big myself up because I know, I know my limits, but probably was the best player on the park that day, um, and there was something saying, oh, Betty Vokes very impressed with me, but. You know, I'll give him a chance in the future. I never, I never got in it. And do you know what? See, at that time, every man and their dog was getting a cap. <laughs> and, uh, and I still can't believe I never got involved. But listen, that is what it is. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not going to, I'm not going to kid myself on. Later on, I probably didn't, I wasn't playing at the level to deserve one. But I think there was a spell that I was. Uh, and unfortunately, I never got the chance. Well, you played against some pretty big future names during your Scotland career, don't you? Can you remember? Um, oof. I'm trying to think. At least, see, at least four in uh, the Italian team. Yeah, I thought that that night we went and played them. Um, I think we played them just near outside Rimini because we were playing, the, the, the full squad were playing San Marino in a qualifier and we played them in a friend. Oh, no, it was near Rome, actually. I can't remember. I think Pirlo played. He did, yeah. 
um, get two show. He did, yeah. Um, I used to, you know, played against him with Rangers. We used to just kick lumps at each other. We'd have been as well sitting in the stand. Um, <laughs> uh, who else would have? So was that the two from the Italian That's, that's team? the big two, but I mean, Zambrotta played as well. I mean, he played oh, for Barcelona yeah. and um, Nicola Ventola. He was a good player right. as well. And yeah, yeah. That just, is it, I mean, I guess you... When you we played, done all right. We drew with them that night. Yeah. We drew one each. Yeah, we done all right, actually. Yeah, yeah. and then I think people like... I wish I'd... I wish I could say Piero was in my pocket, but it was probably the other way about, you know. <laughs> he was sort of a... He was always fantastic, but his worldwide brand kind of exploded in the last few years, didn't it? It was it was it was odd. It's almost as if he grew the beard and then suddenly he was this uh you know worldwide superstar. And again I can't emphasize it enough, he was amazing always. His, his book is very good, I gotta say. His book's it's, very good. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know what? I loved him, you know, even when he was he was coming through. Um I always, you know, could see being a midfielder, obviously, you look at other midfielders, and I always, always thought he was one for me that was, was excellent. But I think he came, I think he got the credit he deserved later on because people understood his position better. Yeah. And his position actually got more fashionable. You know, that one that he, he getting it on the back foot, switching play, um, just keeping it. T- I, think, I think because, and probably the, the Bar- Barcelona, the way their style of play helped that in terms of because people recognised how much he actually did for the team. Um, and, and I just, you know, I, th- I thought he was amazing. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And and, and later on in his career, even, I thought he, 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 I know, he, he actually, you know, stuck out even more, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and the Euro Championships was, was, was probably, that, that game against England was on outstanding one of the best performances I've ever seen very very good indeed okay so you are part of the Dundee United furniture from an outsider looking in maybe you don't play as many games in the last season but yeah why why on earth did you leave that because you I mean you must have been close to a testimonial at that stage even though you were so young you mid-20s and um, yeah you know 250 uh, odd top Mm. flight appearances not including cup why did you decide to leave, or was was it out of your hands? Yeah, I wasn't going to play. Um, Ian McCall came in, and basically, um, the writing was on the wall from pre-season. I walk in, and my number's number seven, and my number's been changed to number 18. Yeah. So you just go, OK, that's interesting. So, in fact, you don't say that's interesting, you, you know right away. But, okay. like, you know... I, I was, I was at that point, well, OK, I need to prove someone else. Um, but I, I, I very kind of quickly realised that it didn't matter what I was going to do. I wasn't going to play. He was going to play whoever he wanted and, and whoever maybe he brought in. I think he felt that I was, like you've, you've just said it, part of the furniture. And I think he was coming in saying that his whole thing was getting rid of the Morris Malpass. He's getting rid of the Apostle. See, see, the problem was at Dundee United, you had all this these legends that were still kicking about the club. I'm not saying kicking about, that's, that's not fair. Still at the club, still having a good input in the club, but it probably weighed very heavily on the on the, on the the guys that were still there because the fans were still thinking it was 1983 <laughs> um, and playing Barcelona and stuff like that, you know, and winning the league. Um, and obviously times move on and Rangers and Celtic are now spending mega bucks and we're just not that team anymore, you know. Um the best, the best team in Scotland is you know, almost nearly one of the best teams in Europe. Um, 
So he wanted to come in and just almost for a clean sweep. And unfortunately, I was seen as, like you said, partly from, I was the longest serving, I was only 23, I think I was only 24, and then 23, 24, and I was the longest serving player at the club. And um, I was just kind of where I was going to be. And I, listen, I had many conversations with him, but it didn't happen. And I just, I had to leave because I needed to go and play football. And I was that last season was just, I, I can't sit on a bench and pick up money, you know what I mean? It was just, it was cracking me up. So I, I actually asked to go and loan during the season. I wasn't allowed. And, and you know what? Fair play to Ian McCall. And I, I'm, we never seen eye to eye, but he thought I was a really good professional. He actually wanted to sign me. He offered me new contracts because he, want, he liked having me about. He knew he could rely on me if he needed me, but that wasn't good enough for me at that time in my career. Yeah. So why did you go for Livingston? Um, well, I don't know. I think I'd been training. I went and trained with Motherwell because Morrison, Morris Malpass and Terry Butcher were there um, and they were interested um, a wee bit and then Livingston came in and it was um, Alan Preston was a manager and he obviously had spoken to Paul Starr and Paul Starr gave me a good recommendation and I don't know, it just... I don't know, quite a young club, quite a, a club that was quite, I don't know, forward thinking, I suppose, this nice wee stadium. I don't know, just, it was, I don't know, I try to think back, I've maybe never had that many options, do you know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. Yeah, so sure. it was a good opportunity for me um, just to try something different. And, I, you know, I felt I did all right in that season and, and, and I enjoyed it there. Really good, really good club. Yeah, and they've got plenty going on as well. They've got you know young players coming through. I think Robert Snodgrass and Graham Dorans oh, yeah. were were coming through at that stage with with plenty of experience as well. Um, and you still gave your old club a favour because you relegated Dundee as well, didn't you? Yeah, probably the only time that Dundee United fans sang my name, <laughs> and I wasn't even playing for them. <laughs> no, it was, it was funny that 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 season was strange. It went right down to the wire. I think there was three or four clubs involved, um, and it could have went anyway on the final day. And it, uh, you know, ended up we were playing against Dundee, and I scored a goal to equalise. And I think Dundee United are up playing Inverness, um, and I think it, you know, obviously it burst out that I'd scored, and, and I think that was the only time they sung my name really. Um, uh, but no, listen, it was just you know, it's weird. I hate that. I hate. I hate. I hated sort of celebrating, you know, just staying up, but it's such a relief when it happens. I mean, we'd come close a couple of times with Dundee United, and do you know what? It means so much when you stay up um, that you can't, you, you've got to let yourself enjoy it. I'm saying enjoy it, but at the back of your mind, you're still sitting going, you know, I shouldn't really be celebrating, they would be the worst team in the league. But it means so much to the club, it means so much to the fans that if you go down, it's so hard to come up. So I mean, any league, any league, but especially in Scotland, where they make it really tough for anybody outside the Premier League to get your get your foothold, and you know it did mean a lot for us to stay up in the last game of that season. It was it was mental. It was a it was a big game, and I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I've supported Swindon for thirty years actively, as in since my first game. It's the thirtieth anniversary of that, and it's one of the. You know, supporting Swindon, you experience pretty much everything. But the only thing I don't think I have experienced is that last gasp survival 
on the last mm. day. That's the one thing we've either <laughs> gone down, you know, <laughs> with no fight at all, yeah. or, or survived with, you know, games to spare. So it is. It, I've not felt that euphoria, but I enjoy watching. It. I mean, Swindon relegated Notts County out of the football league last year, and I oh, said yeah. to someone else, I took no pleasure, but just watching them no. go through the motions was fascinating. It was more. It was more interesting than the game itself. You know, when you're mm-hmm. when they're celebrating because there's been a goal somewhere else, and then they've taken the lead, and then slowly but surely they're going down, and just watching the adrenaline just f- drift away it was. It's 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 kind of like you know when they say you know rubbernecking like watching it. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to look, but you can help, but but not. I mean, I'll be honest. I was involved in those sort of games, you know, at that end of the table too often. But you're right, you're just absolutely drained. I've been in the promotion with Leighton Orient, but but when, when when you're in that relegation, you're absolutely drained. The, the one with Dundee United in the last, second last day of the season, we beat St Johnson and there's fans on the pitch after the second goal and stuff like that. It's like, I remember that night I went to a, a family party and I just I sat I think I'd you know I think I'd one pint and I was just like I need to go to my bed here and I've gone um, so it does it's like but you understand because there's so much riding on it it's nervous energy it's the adrenaline um, but yeah too many times involved in that that that, that area of the of the week and steady up the other end yeah and before we leave Livingston simply because I know you have an affiliation um, an affinity, I should say, with mm-hmm. with Rangers. Richard Goff's your manager during that time, so I mean, yeah. huge name. Yeah, he was, he was brilliant. I mean, what a player he was as well, wasn't he for Scotland as well? And now that was interesting because it was Richard Goff and Archie Knox, obviously another Rangers legend there. With, with Walter Smith's assistant, yeah. um, and the two guys come in, and uh, you know what? It was it was good work under them. It was another, it was a different way. Um, and we got a big lumps into what, what they, they would expect, but they were a good laugh as well. And and I remember Goffey, he used to be like, I remember he's like, uh, "Would we last night you stay?" And I'd be like, oh, "Just stay done, Gaffer." And he's like, "I oh, should get yourself out." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he, I think he, he loved it, you know. But the two of them, we managed to get we had a good bunch of boys, we had a good dressing room that season as well, and we got ourselves over the line. But um, it was no. I enjoyed my time at Lifton. It was only one season, but it was a, it was a good season. And, and as I say, you come across guys like Richard Goff, Alex and Ox, you've got to take something out of that. Ferry on the ball. He's got Ward with him. Timing of the pass is crucial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. Two 0 Swindon. Danny Ward. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Whole name when I do these episodes, especially when I talk to guys who've played in Scotland, and that's my cousin Mikey up in Edinburgh, who I always mention. And something that he hates, I know he hates, he supports Hibs, and he hates it when he loses a player and they go down to the fourth tier of English football. He absolutely hates it. <laughs> it's exactly what you did. You went from Livingston down to Leighton Orient. What, what's going on at this stage? I mean, I mean, I imagine that it's, it's, it could be an adventure moving down to London. It could be financial. But, you know, I can see why a Scottish football fan would be frustrated. And 
it kind of feels like a, a punch in the stomach mm-hmm. when you lose one of your key players to a Swindon town in, in, in League Two or something like that. Yeah. Well, Paul Umbert was coming in as a manager um, at Livingston the next season and I heard they didn't really want me anyway, so... Um, that was fair enough. I don't know if I don't know why. Maybe didn't he didn't rate me or that. I don't know. I think to be honest, we used to play against Celtic and we used to have a good few battles. But but Paul that Paul wasn't interested and and I was so I was on the lookout. Um, and I was just I actually got married as well that summer. So about a week after I got married, I got a phone call saying that from a friend's agent. I never had an agent at the time, and um, saying that a friend's agent was saying that. I might be good for Leighton Orient and they're interested you fancy it and I was like Leighton Orient where's that right London <laughs> okay um, week two okay not got a clue about week two um, don't know what the standards like and I was like well I'll go down I'll speak to them and me and my wife basically went I mean honeymoon came back and that we came back and went went straight down to London and, and um, I actually trained took my boots and I trained in the morning and I remember coming back to the hotel and, and Laura's like going oh, what, was, what was it like what was it are they, are they decent <laughs> kind of thing like, listen listen trying, no disrespect at all just didn't have a clue and I went Laura brilliant really good it's, you know we've just done possession we've done this and that superb as good as I've, there's guys there as good as I've played with if not better um, so it really opened my eyes up opened my eyes to standard and then um, I don't know, I just, just got a good feeling. Got a good feeling from the boys, got a good feeling for the manager, Martin Wing, and I got a good feeling for Dean Smith, assistant. Dean, Smith, Dean Smith's wife actually met my, my wife and, and took her around all the wee villages and towns just to have a look at where we could maybe give her advice and where to live and stuff. And just that wee extra um, bit of care, a wee bit of you know, effort, just, I was like, I think, I think, you know, and obviously London, me and my wife liked London anyway, and it was just, like you said, an adventure, go down, see how it goes, and we put everything in it, and, and we, we loved it. Yeah, and it's Martin Ling, of course, as you said, he's a Swindon favourite, always will be, um, having played for Swindon in the 90s. Everyone says how much of a great manager he is. What were your experiences of him? Brilliant. Um, say the best manager of played under um, and I like I just and, and, and I want to do his man management style just everything about him um, didn't really panic always you know always good always knew the right time to find that lighter moment and crack a joke and I don't know just took care and learning about you as a person um, and your family and stuff like that uh, Coaching was excellent as well, you know, he was a good he was a good coach. But him and Dean just had this great sort of dynamic, um, where they, they just worked really well together and I just they just create I think I think what Martin does really well is he finds out about his players. So the guys that he signs, he knows he knows their background. He's not just signing guys for what they can do on the pitch, he, he knows their character. He puts a lot into that and um Listen, there's some guys in there. He's t- you, you might think, oh, that you know, he, he's came with a wee bit of baggage, but he knows maybe behind it he can get the best out of that guy. And um, that's what I saw with Martin. We just we he just put together a really good squad that was hungry. Great, a great combination of experience, um, 
guys like me that were down for the first time wanted to make their mark. You know, they had Glenn Garner, the goalkeeper from Wales, brilliant. He came to London as well, adventure for the big man for the valleys, you know what I mean? Um, Irish boys, uh, Irish Wayne Carlyle, he was in there. Um, local lads, Daryl McMahon was there and all the Irish boy, but, you know, guys that had either were, were needing another opportunity or want to prove themselves or want to finish their career on a high and it just all came together. I, I can't even describe it. It's, 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 you can't recreate it. You know what I mean? It would be very tough to recreate. Yeah, and boy, did it work out at the end. I mean, you know, from a Swindon fan's side of things, it's, it's a great day. Swindon were relegated, I think, <laughs> a week before and... Um, yeah, I think we were we were relegated Bristol City the week before, and then it was the final round of games the week later. So we were all focusing on what, seeing what was going to happen at Leighton Orient. Former Swindon player Eric Saban, who's been on this uh, podcast, he he put Oxford ahead, and then a header. I know. I wasn't. I, it's, it's funny. I used to. I scored quite a few headers in my career. I don't know. What, I just used to love attacking the ball, but I was up there. I think the keeper. I don't know what the keeper was doing, but it, it did cross the line. But yeah. you know, I got up and I got up, and I really it's it's just you see the ball. It's like you there was a game for once that I was you're trying to achieve something at the end of it instead of trying to save relegation. And it was just give everything. And um, you know, I think you see the way I attacked that ball. But that game was like you you're talking about that game was the craziest game I've ever been involved in mental and it was just you know they're fighting for their lives we're fighting to go up we felt that we probably were good enough that we should have probably won the league that season and um, looking back on it but we were always in the top three um, and it came down to that obviously we, you know, we, we, we were very consistent but we, we felt we should have probably gone up as champions and we were disappointed in that but at the same time we were grinding out results and um, that game was just I, I never experienced anything like that after or before and it was just end to end it was almost like a basketball game there was no midfield it was just you see you see our goal that wins it and I think about three people could have scored it and one of them was Matt Watwood that was a full back so I don't know what he was doing so <laughs> it was just crazy it was crazy it's one of those games where the team's struggling and this time it's Oxford probably wanted to play anybody other than Leighton Orient because you had so much riding on it as well. So it, it totally, was like yeah. they probably would have wanted a Chester or a Mansfield whose seasons were over. But, but, I mean, what's immortalised through that is the fact that the, the fans had reacted to something happening elsewhere. I think the, the commentary is saying, oh, they just... Orient just need to hang on now, but while that's happening, you're all steaming. Full. Oh, it's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I'm listening to your excitement in your voice here. It's as it, it's that. Um, like my wife and my, my family were all down for it, and her, her mum and dad as well. And and it was just they they were they just heard this ripple. And to be fair, we could hear it as well. You couldn't you couldn't miss it. And he, as what you said, you hear it in the commentary as well. Um, and then all, but at that time we were building an attack, and like I said, they've probably got three guys back. After that, <laughs> we've got about five going forward, and it's just in the middle of the park. It's just a free for all, and, and and yeah, we go up, and and it ends up that um, Steel, we still provide a finishing touch after Gary Alexander playing on the ball, and but I mean, yeah, just wild celebrations after that, but. That sort of, the way it built up because of that, we didn't need the goal, we scored a goal and that's it done and we just know that we're, we've crossed the line and 
obviously agony for Oxford, but the best feeling I've ever had in my career um, for, 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 for myself, you know. Yeah, it's a huge day for Orient because they've been in the bottom tier of the Football League for like 11 seasons as well. So, you know, it, it meant a great deal. It kind of was like a out-of-nowhere season for their fans, I imagine. Yeah, well, I think, listen, talking talk to Martin about it or talking to, to Lange, it was, he'd been kind of building that team over the last couple of seasons because when I signed, he was like, oh, we've got Samuel, we've got him, we've got him. And he was really excited at the start of the season about this team. Um, and then he, you know, he was saying, "Look, adding you, you know, you'll compliment him." And this will us, and he works hard. This, and I just had the feeling that he knew that. I, I suppose we never really talked about it openly, but we all believed. Um, and he, I just felt that he just had that feeling that this was going to be a good season for us. Um, and it started well, and, and obviously we kept the momentum going. And the cup run actually helped us really well as well, mm-hmm. but. The belief that he used to give us was like, listen, he just, it's on his team talks, he would, it just got to stay as well, lads, it's business as usual, going out, coming out here with a win, and he didn't really need to say much. And other times that I remember when he used to go up, we used to go up north, he used to go, uh, you know, they think we're, you know, the southern soft, softies kind of thing. And um, obviously that was so far from the truth because we'd guys all over the country anyway, but it was like, he used to, he, we had this mentality that we just did not, we, we just believed in us. We didn't even care about the opposition. It was it was unbelievable. I've never I've never been involved in a side like that before, a, a, a team like that before. And was the following season the where you know you survive, you know you avoid relegation? Mm. Um, was it a case that it was just that Orient were punching that season, yeah. or what was going on there? You know, we deserved we deserved to get up when we were in League One. We didn't. You need to add to your squad. You've got to add. I mean, you know yourself. You, you know yourself with Swindon. You go up even that one level, and I think what you get, you get punished. You get punished for any mistakes defensively because the strikers are on a different level. For me, um, there is good strikers in League Two. Don't get me wrong, but we were going up there and playing guys in League One that were like, I mean, Nottingham Forest was in League One at the time. You know what I mean? Um, there was other good teams and. and you get you get punished for any mistake. A week two, you probably need. You could get away with three things. You can't get away with three mistakes or three, not even mistakes, just lapses. You get punished, and I felt that we probably needed to add a wee bit more to our squad. Not much, but a wee bit more than what we had. And I don't think I don't think the budget was there for the gaffer. You know, um, we probably we almost done it. If you look at the squad, there's not many changes. There's not many changes from our week two to week one squad and. And I think we probably we probably finished where we finished. And I think it was a decent achievement to stay in the league. We we're not really yeah. going out and spending much money. Um but definitely we, we did we had some great results and we we, we beat Forest, um at Forest and you know, we just had some some good times and we go on uh, loved going and playing against the bigger teams. It was excellent. Rose. Richie again. It's nicely worked. Oh, 
that brings us to Swindon Town. So, you know, you're a very popular member of the Leighton Orient team. It's a good, tight unit that you've got there. So what was the reason for the departure from them? Really, and, and, I, and I don't say that's why. Oh yeah, it, it was the toughest decision I ever made in my football career. Um, because, what you said, loved it there. London was excellent. The gaffer, the boys. But we finished that season and I just didn't see Barry Hearn. You know, he was the chairman, he was excellent. I love Barry. But I don't think he was really going to go and back the gaffer and say, right, there's some money, let's go and go. And I didn't want us to just be going and fighting to stay in the league. I wanted us to go and... Like, I was, what, what was me? That was me, 27. And I was thinking, right, how far can I go? Can I play in the championship? I'm not sure, but I'd love to try. I just didn't know if the gaffer was going to get the the ability to do that, you know, get the budget to go and give us a chance to go and do that. Um, and Swindon were interested, and um, I remember speaking to Martin about it. The phone call, hardest phone call I've ever made, and um, he almost gave me gave me his blessing because he's like, like who else is involved? Us? And you never usually you never usually to say that. You know, in these situations, I said, look, look Gaffer, it's the only reason telling you it's Swindon Town. And he went, nah, you've got to go. Or really, worse to that effect, he says, you know, massive club. Massive club. Um, if, if they're doing well, there can be 16,000 fans there, you know, if they're, 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 they're doing what they're doing. Um, and obviously, his experience of, of being there and doing... Uh, playing in top top level with him, he knew this, this the sort of size of the club, and it was almost like he knew the decision I had to make. Um, and it wasn't about money because I was getting this. It was the same. It was almost the same contract as as, as I was getting away in Orient, which they had opt as well. So I can't really complain at that. It was just it was an opportunity. I saw it as an opportunity for me to further my career. Um, and obviously try something new, but I def- you know what, I didn't really want to leave London, loved it, um, but it was a purely football decision, and, and when my wife has always just went, it's up to you, I'll go wherever you want to go, and she's she's been different class with that all through my career as well. You know? yeah. Well, it's not because of the kit that you joined Swindon, because that's one of our worst <laughs> of, that, of, of recent years, or, gen- or decades, or maybe all time, it's a terrible one, that lot of kit. What, that one, the lot one? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was all right. I thought it was okay. <laughs> the, 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 I think they had a. Was there a third one? Was there a third strip out? There was a, a, there was a black there was like and a white white one. Yeah. There yeah, was. I thought that was all right. The, that season, I think it, they all had the spikes. Um, yeah, spikes. That Ukraine championed in one of the tournaments, and one was black with red spikes, and one was white That's with right. red spikes. Yeah. That's right. Aye, so it was. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was all right. It was it, probably not one of my favourites, but I, I quite liked that white, white water. What it felt good, you know. It was, it was nice. I think the sponsor came out in the wash pretty quickly, but you know. Oh, I probably did. It. Was it Kings? Kingswoods Construction went out of business like shortly after (laughs) they had the shirts. I think, to be honest, but Swindon Town. Then, so you sold the project by Paul Sturrock. This is a turbulent time for Swindon behind the scenes. What what were your early experiences of of arriving at Swindon, and and what what did you arrive to? Was it was all well? Uh, 
Yeah, well, obviously I'd worked with a gaffer before, so I knew what I was getting there. Um, and, you know, that was everybody thinks that's the reason I joined um, to work with Paul Sturrock again. It wasn't. It was, it was, it was well, you know, obviously Paul being there was the reason that he wanted to sign me, but um, it was it was good that he was there and it was good that it was something I knew. But um, just going there, it was it was something different again. And I liked this, the stadium was great. Um, like you say, you can see that place wrong if, it, if it's full, you know. Um, so I liked it, the county ground. It was a nice. So I think Swindon's in a great area as well. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, the town at the time probably wasn't as great in the centre, but it was it was up and coming. There was a lot of things going on, starting to starting to get better. I liked old town, and obviously it was in, in a nice area. So. My wife and my wife and I were looking forward to going there, watching these countryside round about and different places to some other adventure, isn't it? Mm. But in terms of football wise, it was weird because there was all this talk about new owners coming in and guys coming in. I remember just seeing all these guys coming in with the gaffer to training and they were like, I don't know, wearing shades and stuff. <laughs> what about wearing shades? We were like, Is these new owners? It's, like gangsters, do you know what they looked like? Listen, I'm not alleging anybody's a gangster, but that's what they looked like, eh? And um, so that was it was interesting. We're going, well, where's the, where's this going to go? Um, we didn't know what consortium at the time was was going to take it over, and um, so listen, we just got ourselves on with pre-season and got on with football side. But it was funny to see the gaffer walking about with these these guys every 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 few days and that. And, um, I suppose the gaffer had been giving them so many stories. It's probably, he, he just he's, he's a great guy to just be in that situation. He would just be taking, you know, he'd be taking taking all that in stride. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tangerine coloured office. Oh my word, horrendous! <laughs> I remember going in, and I'm like, gaffer, what have you done? He went, he's still got to have a tangerine. I'm trying to get her, I'm trying to get her away kit tangerine as well. I'm going, no chance. I'm like. And he's like, got us running machine in the office. I'm like, there's no chance you're using that. And he's laughing. Um, so, <laughs> nah, the Tangerine office, breeze blocks. Um, nah, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't great. It was, but it was a headache. You went in there and you kind of, I don't know. You, you went in for a meeting room and you were just like, wow, well, we need to get out of here. But no, nah, he, he always, I think he'd done it with Plymouth as well. I think he got them. I think he had them wearing a Tangerine kit at one point as well. So, I listen, he couldn't, he couldn't let it go, but... Um, no, Gaffer was brilliant. As I say, got a great group together again. Um, but then, obviously, you, you, you probably know he left quite, quite early doors. You know, I'm not going to blow smoke up your backside too much, but I will. I will tell you now that you were my vote for Player of the Season that year, Miguel. Miguel got it, got yeah. It, but I will, he I will was say excellent. To be he, fair, was, he was very, very good. But I thought that over the season you were far more consistent, and um, you got my vote that year. And you got lots of people vote, lots oh, of people's vote that shit. year as well. Yeah, I mean, Sturrock goes. We were always worried that Plymouth would come back for him. And the one thing that I sort of talk about when, about the Sturrock era, and to be fair, you're not mentioned in that because you, you are right. A lot of people do sort of 
associate you with Storrock because of the Dundee United link, but you were never mm. one of the ones like Steve Adams and Hasni Al Joffrey and and mm. obviously his son, who were like they moved around Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth, yeah. Swindon. I wish I had. I'd have got more money. <laughs> I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. But, but that was a problem, wasn't it? Really, because when you when you hoard like you when you have your own loyal sort of foot soldiers turn up, mm. when the manager goes, you've you've either got to hope that they sort of continue with the project or get them off the wage bill pretty quickly, yeah. haven't you? It's it's a tough one yeah. from, from a coaching's perspective, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's the thing. The managers. They get to know people. They get to know who they can trust and who they can take places and what they can get out of them. Um, and, and yeah, Paul was Paul did that way. You're, you're right, Steve, uh, Steve Adams, and and Hasney and Boyer. But you know, I came, I came in just that that bit of the season as well. And you know, apps what you mentioned, runner up to play the year. I, I thought I probably played some of my best football that season. I thought I'd done really well with first season at Leighton Orient. I was probably, I'm not sure if it was, I, it was maybe a little bit better than, I was probably better that, that season, but I probably wasn't far away from it that first season at Swindon. And I don't know, I just felt, I had a really good pre-season under my belt. Um, and I just, I just, I don't know what happened. I just felt that, you know, I got given a good role. I got responsibility to be a, a major part of the team um, in, in the midfield and I think I thrive on that and I think that's probably the reason that, that, that I'd, you know, I, I, played, I played pretty well that season but I think also we had a lot of good guys running about us uh, in that side as well and it was, a, it was a, like you mentioned Miguel, he came in, he was an absolute revelation, we didn't know what we were going to get from Miguel but Gaffer's good at that. Yeah. Paul Sturrock was always good at finding these. He used to call them his wee rough diamonds or his gems, and he used to bring them in and just polish them up. And and you and, and you get one with Miguel, and he was. I thought he, he his tenacity, his attitude, and he was just the game suited him. You know, the game, the football suited him. Talk to me about Morris Malpass because whenever I talk to one of your teammates from this era, they always kind of go, "Do you know what? I can't really remember." the Morris Malpass era. <laughs> Who's that? Uh, well, Callum Kennedy was definitely oh, one. Cal. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, and he was still quite young coming through, right enough. Maybe Billy Painter. Billy, aye. Um, yeah, they, they, they talk about, like, they kind of breeze through the Malpass era. They don't have anything mm. ill to say about no. him, but it kind of, maybe, you know, that's why he's a better assistant than he is a manager, perhaps. But, you know, but what were your experiences? You know, I, I, I'm I'm friends with Mo still. You know, I still speak to him. He came to my wedding as well. But so when he got the manager's job, it was like it was a bit of, it was a bit of surprise for me because I thought Martin Long was going to get. It. In fact, I thought you know there was very good. You know, I, I thought good information that he was he, he might have got it. Um, but I think at the time he was under contract at Lenore, and I think he also wanted to take Dean with him. So I think that you know there was there was. I don't think that's a crossroads, the, isn't it? You know, the, the new the new the new guys coming in didn't have the money to do that. I don't think you know because we, um, we never had any money at that point. Do you know what I mean? We're trying to really watch what they were doing with the new owners and stuff like that. So when Morris was on, you know, saying it was Morris, I was like, that's a, that was a, it was a, it was a very big surprise. But I know I knew him as a teammate and a coach. Um, and then he was my manager, and to be honest, it was 
I, I really enjoyed it under Mo to begin with. Um, and and I think he he like again he gave he made me his vice captain, um, and you know I thought I finished the season under him really well scoring goals he was playing me you know a wee bit higher up and just allowing me a bit of freedom um, and I, I really enjoyed that end end of the season but then you know the next season pre season and I I, I I had a really good pre season again we went over to Austria which was brilliant. And then I rolled my ankle after we played Fenerbahce, which was excellent. And then I ended up rolling my ankle in one of the sessions. And I probably, I'd done my ankle again, it was pretty bad. And I just made the start of the new season, but I wasn't really, I probably, I wasn't really fit. I had, I had the ankle strapped up, but you don't want to miss the first game. And I probably, my season didn't really get going after that, to be honest, mm. um, which was disappointing. Um, but in terms of work memo, I loved work memo. He was a great coach. I think what he probably, he, I think you're probably right. I think he would admit it that he probably is a better foil for somebody else as an assistant. And but it's maybe just it's not it's not in terms of the football stuff. It's probably in terms of all the other bits and pieces that goes with it. You yeah. know what I mean? Where Paul's a bit more flamboyant, and I'm not saying Mo, Mo wasn't good with the press, but he. You know, Postal gives gives the press a lot more than the Morris Malpass would. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in that first season, I, I was one of the four thousand eight hundred and forty that saw you score a brace. Did you get many uh, in your career? No, no. That was it. That was a that was, that brace, was a yeah. wild yeah. night. That was freezing. Yeah, I was cold. playing right wing. <laughs> I was playing right wing that night against Huddersfield. Um, I don't know why I was playing there. I think I started. I think that's what happened to me a lot in my career, especially under Paul Sturrock as well, that he knew that I was, I could slot into quite a few positions. Um, and I think Morris that night says, Mo, Mo says to me, look, can you go and play, you can play right midfield tonight? And I'm like, yeah. I'll, I'll, listen, I hated going out of the centre of the midfield because I just wanted to be involved in everything. But going out and, but listen, I'd do my job. I'd, I'd go and play anywhere. That was the type of attitude I had. So I ended up on the right wing, and it just happened that the ball seemed to just keep coming to me. <laughs> kept making, <laughs> yeah. kept making this same run to the back post when when that Anthony McNamee um, had a great day. Yeah. Me McNamee had the ball, and he was just tearing the right back up. Like I was never going to dribble the left back. There's no danger. <laughs> I'm not running anybody. But me Mac, I was absolutely twisting the guy up, and every time we got there, I was trying to get in the box, and it just ended up, you know. Them, the ball, the ball ended up at my foot a couple of times, and I was, I was able to stick it in the net. You know. Yeah, it was a crazy night because it was, like I said, it was freezing cold. Champions League night, I mm-hmm. think. Um, we raced into a, a three-goal lead, and <laughs> the referee was having an absolute mare. Oh, Who got sent off? Was it, it was, did did Bowie get sent off? He did. No. He got sent off for yeah, a did, handball yeah. on the line, and sorry, then Lee Peacock that. went went in. Ooh, oh, really nasty challenge! But I remember, right? I remember. He had to, I think the referee got escorted, sort of off at half time, at three one up. It was I, I think you're right. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, Very cold. It was, well, it was freezing. But my friends were actually down from Scotland working. I had two guys that were down <laughs> that were doing a job in, in Swindon, and um, I was like, "Guys, brilliant! You've not seen me for ages. You come to the game." And they're like, "No, we're going to pub to watch uh, Champions League." I'm like, "Are you in the wind up?" <laughs> Are you in the wind-up? We went in the pub that. and we watched the Champions League and I went and scored two and I just texted him, get it right up, he's... <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, as you said, it's, it's 
it, it's a shame your your Swindon career because we saw the best of you in your first season, and then it's injuries, isn't it, that really plagues you in in season two. Yeah, well, as I said, I didn't, you know, came back for that ankle injury, kind of got through it. <sighs> was playing, but wasn't. It, I probably wasn't right for the first four weeks at least, um, and then after that, because I never, I, I, you know, and I was always naturally fit, but you, I probably didn't have a right good pre-season under my belt. Um, I ended up getting calf niggles because I think falling. What I was probably trying to come back too early from my ankle, my calf. I tore my calf. I even told my calf twice, um, and I kept trying to come back. Probably too early because my body just—I—I I felt I was okay, but I probably wasn't. It's one of these things. I always try and push myself, probably too much. But at that time, I was just eager because it was a lot of competition for for places, and I felt that if I didn't, then I probably was was going to struggle to get in the team, and it, and it did end up that way. Um, Obviously, Morris then left me out, which I was disappointed with um, at the time because I felt I was playing all right at that point. Um, and then when he, you know, when, when he left, I wasn't in the team, which is not great when a new manager comes in. Yeah. Um, and when I look back on that, the timings were just terrible. And then I never, so I never really, I never really got back in the team after that. I played now and again sporadically, but you know, I felt a wee bit. I felt annoyed at Morris and I've spoke to him about this after it um, and I felt that at the time where he was needing guys that he could trust he never turned to me and I would have been one that would have you know really died in the trenches for him do you know what I'm saying um, so that kind of did disappoint me that but listen we're fine and we spoke after it and there's no grudges at all football you move on but um you know, we, we spoke about that and, and, and it was a time where I thought you should, you should have turned to me and I probably could have, maybe I couldn't have, but I thought I probably maybe I would have been able to help him out. I think that's really interesting because I think it wouldn't be unfair to say he needed allies in those latter months at Swindon. He needed people that would, that would you know, fight for him. And it, was to, tough. Yeah. it was tough for him because he came in without an assistant, you know, yeah. and I think that's a, you know, he probably shouldn't have done that. That, that was a big... I'm not saying a mistake, but that was a big, that's a big thing for a manager to come in that's not, not get anybody that's his assistant coach. Listen, David Byrne and, and Eddie Williams were there and, you know, I enjoyed working with them as well, but the manager needs to have somebody that he can really trust and bounce off of and, and Morris never had that and I kind of felt sorry for him, but I think that's where he should have went, you know, he stay, I know you and, and maybe turned to myself a wee bit more and, and maybe a couple of others that he could have, you know. Um, I think that time as well, Hasney got injured as well quite badly, so he never had his captain there either. It was just, you know, a few things were, 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 were working against him and I don't think he probably helped himself as well, you know. Yeah. When Malpass leaves, having just had Sturrock as well, I'm half expecting, you know, Paul Hegarty or David Nery to walk through the door any minute and just, oh. you know, to com- complete a trilogy there but it's I went, it's, in, I went down to England to get away for Dunkin' exactly well you, you got it with the, with the third manager and the final yeah. manager you had which was Danny Wilson um, how did you find working with Danny? Uh, Danny's a great coach really good coach and I've, I've loads of respect from for that but I mean I've talked talk about man management and stuff and, and it just wasn't there for me with Danny but in terms of, you know, I think he wanted to play other people. 
maybe with guys that he signed as well. Um, and I'm disappointed because I was I was still training as hard. I was playing in reserves. You know, Eddie Williams was and Peter Shuttleworth. To be fair, Peter Shuttleworth he was an excellent assistant. Um, I got on really well with Peter and um, his wife as well. Jackie was 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 good with, with the wives and the girls as well at the club. So he kind of was that side. That Danny was more. I'm a manager. I'm a coach, and he didn't really get involved too much in the rest of it. But in terms of you listen, Danny had his own ideas of who he wanted to play, and it didn't matter what I was going to do. I, I, I don't think I was. He, he, you know, he used me when he needed me, and I almost felt that when he did use me and I did well, he had to take me back out of the team because it was almost like I was proving him wrong. Um, and, and I know that maybe sounds harsh, but that's just the t- that's what I just wanted to play. I wanted to play. I'd been used to playing most of my career, and I just felt that I was banging my head against the brick wall at times. Yeah, I mean, you if you play every game that you're in the match day squad for, you've played almost every game, wouldn't you? You were you were pretty much on the that's bench right. predominantly through that. Oh, you know that year, every player that I've spoke to from your final season, they said that's the mm-hmm. best dressing room they've ever they've ever experienced um, and things sort of just click. But like you said, for you, who's, who's, a, who's a seasoned pro at this stage, to be mm-hmm. sat there with the bib on, it, it, it can't be that great. And I was listening to the official supporters club. They did something on, on Facebook with Lee Peacock the other day. And mm-hmm. the question was, you know, who's the most professional footballer you've ever played alongside in mm-hmm. terms of professionalism? And he said, Craig Easton. And um, I imagine that must have been a test during that season for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's, there's bigger tests and other people face bigger tests in their life. Where it was, you know, I'm putting it in perspective. So I kind of always used to be able to put that into perspective, you know what I mean? Um, a bad day at the office for me is certainly not a bad day at the office for everybody. But at that time, it feels, you know, that's your, you just want to be playing. And for a footballer, you just you're working your whole week for the ninety minutes on a Saturday, and when you're not playing, it's it's tough, man. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you, and it's it's all relative. Um, I just I just worked hard. I just thought my my, my default setting is to just work work harder. Uh, so I was in the gym more. I was playing, you know, at reserves. I was training harder. I, I do everything, and I, and I didn't want to let myself down. I just had my own standards, and I wasn't going to drop my standards, even though I felt that I was never going to get in the team. I always had the hope I would, um, or I always had the hope that if I did play, we'd play me again, but it just didn't seem that way. Um, and listen, Danny kept offering me contracts, so he definitely, it wasn't <laughs> that he didn't, didn't rate me, he liked having me about the place because he could trust me, and I, you know, I just felt that, fair enough, but go and play me then, you know, um, and for one, whatever reason, he never, the guys like Peter Shuttleworth, guys like Eddie Williams, were excellent and just keeping your spirits and, and David Byrne as well but Eddie was, was kind of taking the reserve team at the time um, and sometimes we'd come in on Sundays and do some work as well and I remember Eddie was brilliant and I always remember that and I always remember that now as a coach that you've got to be you've got to be good and enthusiastic with these guys that aren't in the team because you're going to need them or you're just going to need to keep them going yeah. and he, he kept you know I'm saying I kept, you know, I kept myself going but he kept me going as well you know um, so you know I was, was I was gutted the way it ended as well um, and I just felt like you're saying it was probably you guys talk about the best dressing room I felt the dressing room the first 
the season was was was, was probably the best. I felt out yeah, I totally felt didn't feel a part of anything. Um, not not in terms of the lads, the lads were all right, but I've been used to having an influence on the pitch, and and when I never, I just didn't feel a whole part of that whole um, playoff run at all. Just it was like it was almost numb to it, honestly. Mm-hmm. And 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 that just I'm not trying to sound, you know, I'm not trying to be sort of dismissive, but I just did not feel that I was part of that. I was never given a role. I was never. When you're not playing, you you don't feel you're contributing, and I just didn't feel part of that at all. There's a few stories that I've heard during this time, and they, they kind of feel like maybe you're the butt of a couple of the jokes as well. Is no, no. I think we were. I think there was a lot of good. There was a lot of good banter flying about, but I think there was there was a lot of big personalities in that dressing room the last season, um, and and you, you probably got on more with some people than you do others do you know what I mean it's just a natural natural thing and I just felt that uh, listen I was I was as much part of you know <laughs> the giving it as, as I was taking it so there was, there was no no worries about that I mean Billy Painter was brilliant he was probably one of the funniest guys I've ever been in a dressing room with um, and, and some of the stuff he, he was he was brilliant but and, and there was a lot of other good we had some of the best times in the dressing room at Swindon <laughs> as well, but that last season just felt a wee bit detached from it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and I just felt even at the end of that season, even you, you, I normally think that if you, you, your dressing room, when you're when you're in a playoff final, your dressing room should be the best dressing room in the world. And I, I, I maybe I'm maybe disagreeing. I don't think it was as far as you know looking at it. I don't think it was and. The next, I know I left, and I don't. I'm not, I'm not saying that I take any joy in it, but I, I wasn't surprised that the team went down the next season. If I'm being honest. Sure. There is just one question, and it's from a Callum Kennedy. I don't know who that <laughs> is. Now he says, "Why was Craig known as the Nature Boy?" <sighs> well, I used to. <laughs> I know. I knew Cal. It would, it would either be Callum Kennedy or Simon Ferry. So I used to love going walks. I was always outside. Used to always go up the Cotswolds and. Um, all the different so I would come back and they go very 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 yesterday so I'd say well me and my wife we went here and you know up, up, up the court's walls and went to this wee village and I'd walk up this hill or that hill or whatever and um, they just and I also used to read National Geographic <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what I set myself up for all because um, I kind of played on it a wee bit as well but it was they used, the, the younger ones used to absolutely love it they used to hammer me and they used to call me nature boy so and they used to say, oh, what kind of trees that? So we'd be out training at Waddington and they'd be going, oh, what kind of trees that? And ask me all the trees and stuff. So I used to tell them, try, try to educate them a wee bit in the, um, on the outdoors. Um, and and there, was a, there was a couple of times where um, Simon Ferry would just be sitting asking me, he'd go, uh, what's your favourite animal? <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere. You'd be sitting in the bus and go, what's your favourite animal? Um, or who would win in a fight between like a wolf and an eagle and stuff? So it was just decent banner for the boys, to be honest. So I knew Callum Kennedy, he was always a wee a young whippersnapper. But um, no, he's done well for himself as well. He's done well, Cal. Good lad. So who was the best players that you played alongside at Swindon? Um, well, there was a lot of good ones. There was a really, you know, we had a good team um, that first season. I was, 
I was at the club. Uh, I came to the club. There was a lot of good good players in that team. Um, I mean, Jack Smith was was a really good player. Um, that you know, probably I think Jack maybe could have played at a higher level. He had a lot of good quality on the ball. Um, and there was, oh, listen, there was uh, Jamie Jamie Vincent. I think was underrated. Um, he always knew what he was getting out of Jamie. He was, he was gave a hundred percent, but he was like consistent as well. Um, injuries and I think we but you know you know hampered him a wee bit. Um but like big big white peacock, he was a beast, he was an animal. Um I played a couple of times with him in midfield and I think you know, just the size of him and he actually he could obviously played up top more often than not, but he could play in the middle of the park and I just felt that he was one of the, one of these players that if if he was doing if he was at the top of his game he was almost unplayable. Um but I mean that that squad was really good that season. Uh, some good guys in there. We had Pookie, uh, Michael Pook, Nico, um, and just just as a as a as a dressing room, it was a really good dressing room. Um, me, me, Pookie, and Nico we used to go to gigs together as well. Um, they were into the music, uh, so we used to go go to see some bands and that. So listen, it, it was just there was some good quality players, but it was it was a good squad. And then later on, there was like Billy Tainter and. Uh, Coxie, uh, John Paul McGovern, the guys, but we just had a really good relationship. I think I think we just had a really good, really good team spirit in that dressing room. Jarrell was there, and I think all the girls as well at that point um, kind of got on really well together as well. So there was a good feeling about the about the club at that point. Yeah, I need to know what gigs you go into. Um, random. Um, so we used to go up to Oxford because we always used to. Um, get a lot of bands coming to Oxford with all the students and stuff. So, so we went. A couple, I think we went to Eels, um, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, nice. which was a bit random, yeah. but um, they were they were brilliant. Eels was. I've always wanted to see Eels. Um, I think I just finished reading the book, reading <laughs> E's book, which is incredible. It's mental. Um, if you ever get a chance, I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's, it's really interesting. Um, and then. Went up and it was just it was it was it was just him and him and another guy and they were just playing. Um, all they played all the hits and that, but it was just a really good intimate concert. And then we went to Black Devil Motorcycle Club and that was more like a sweaty one. Um, <laughs> and it was uh, it was bouncing, so that was good. Yeah, whatever happened to my rock and roll was it was a big oh, was a big one in uh, in my uh, in my te- late teens, early twenties. Good good track. I, like, I I mean, spread your love was the one that got me into them. Um, that video, and then it was just you know I got into them after that. But Pookie and Nico, we, we remember we had some good times going up there and just going to gigs. We didn't, you know, it wasn't even a night out or anything. It was just go up. We used to just drive up and go to the gig and then and come home. But it was uh, yeah, we had some we had some good laughs and oh, you know a couple of other boys like Peaks. He was into American football and Pookie was into it. Nico and Blair and I remember a Super Bowl. We got a walk in. I can't remember what pub it was, but we got a walk in at a pub. And we watched the um, uh, Patriots and New York Giants. It was a one where I think the Giants win. Is it the Manning um, one? Yeah. I think it was that one. I the helmet catch. Yeah. Uh, and it was just what well, it was an amazing night. It was just I think Peach was gutted right enough. Um, he's a Patriots man, but um, no, listen, we had some good times with that squad. And, and as I said, the girls were pretty close as well, you know. Um, but going back to players, I mean, Billy was quality up top and. But at that point, I remember Coxie. Coxie was excellent. Um, Coxie came in, and I remember his first week at the club. 
we did a there was a question and answer thing down at the stadium with some fans, and um, I was chosen in Co- I was chosen to go down. Cox was chosen because he was a new signing, and you know I'd only trained him a couple of times, and it was just it was so confident. It was unbelievable. I was actually sitting there, kind of looking, laughing, and shaking my head because I was just like, "Who is this kid?" Um, he was just like, "I'm here to score goals. I'm going to score goals," and I'm just like, usually I'd be kind of like. Mm, I'm not sure I'm having this guy, but I just thought, all right, well, let's see if you can kind of back it up. And he obviously he did. And, and you know, strikers have got to be confident on that, but I just like the way Coxie not just scored goals and wanted to be the, you know, wanted that, but but that's the kind of recognition. But he actually, he worked, he worked so hard. I mean, he worked, he worked his balls off every day in training. And you've seen the, the work he did on the park. He wasn't, he wasn't just a goal scorer. So um, I take my hat off to Cox. He was, he was quality. Him and Billy had a, you know, they had a good wee partnership as well at this point. But um, Cox's goal against Fernabachi, I mean, pff, wow, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable, wow. wasn't it? Unbelievable. And then it, it, the thing is, he done it again, almost similar, um, almost a carbon copy. Um, I don't know who it was against it. Do you know that? During the season, was it Port, mm, Port Vale or Chesterfield? He got the the famous goal was against Walsall, which is the one Walsall, touch and, that's and chip, it. isn't that's it? it? Yeah. Well, and it was kind of similar. He didn't take the the, the one against um, the one against Fenerbahce has to flick over the defender's head and then it bounces and he hits it. And then I think the one at Walsall, he just takes out the sky. Is that right? Yeah. And then he kind of and then he hits it in the full hits in the full volley. I don't know what one's better. I think. But probably the one out of the sky because the ball comes over his shoulder. The first touch is crazy, yeah. And it's mental. But to score a goal like that against Fenerbahce was, uh, it was great. I mean, that, that whole... In fact, that game's probably a standout game for me in a Swindon town, sort of, if I'm being honest. Fenerbahce brought all those fans and it was televised in Turkey and all... And, right. and, and as I was saying this to Sean Morrison recently, and we're wearing these sort of uh, drill tops with no numbers. <laughs> no, we had numbers. That was the thing. We, we all, all the Fenerbahce fans, because it was really close to the border with Germany. There was a lot of Turkish um, yeah. people, a lot of Turkish uh, people in Germany, and they came all over the border. So it was like a home game for them. It was crazy. And then you're right. We we didn't have the lot hadn't sent our. Roger the kit man, he, he hadn't got a hold of any kit for his like playing kit at all. So we had to wear our training gear. Um, so we're walking about with a lot of training gear with our numbers on the front. If, I think if you look at any yeah. photos, you'll see our numbers are on the front of them. And then after the game, we're all clambering, trying to get a, get a Fenerbahce top, trying to swap jerseys. <laughs> and the Fenerbahce guys are just laughing at us going, one, <laughs> who are you? Two, what are you wearing? Do you know what I mean? You're like, you're trying to swat, and, and Roger in the background is going mental because he's going, can I, guys, we've nothing to train him. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think Billy managed, I think Billy managed to get a top. I can't remember who he got. I don't think it was Carlos, surely not, but he, he got one. I'm sure, I'm sure Billy's got one. Um, but none of us were, none of us were bold enough that, that Billy managed to, to, to swap somebody's. Well, in relation to Billy and a couple of others, they've all got stories about you, where you yeah. are the victim. So Billy, <laughs> so Billy, Billy's told the Freddy Krueger one. Uh, that one, that one was in collaboration <laughs> with my wife. She, she's she's getting the blame for that one because she told Billy 
that I hate. See, I hated Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street. The, the thing is with that, I'd watched that film at my friend's house when we was about blooming. I don't know nine or ten. Yeah. And I watched 15 minutes of it, and I made up an excuse to go home for my dinner because I was absolutely <laughs> shitting my pants. And, and 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 I went home, and then I couldn't. I've never watched a horror film since. It, honestly, I can't hate them. And then my wife found out that Billy was going to a party back up in Liverpool, um, dressed as Freddy Krueger. So told them to come out of my house. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And that's why he came round, and it just was honestly, oh man, it was <laughs> well, incredible. Well, we've got that, and I think Simon Ferry <laughs> told the roller coaster outrage on the live show, and um, Sean Morrison told us about the uh, the biscuit throwing in uh, in Austria. So. No. This is, this is an opportunity for you to get your own back. Do you have any... Were you responsible for any uh, hijinks? There was one, way, and it was um, myself and John Paul McGovern. Uh, me and Jai were pretty close, and um, obviously I fell Scott as well, and we actually we, we kind of ganged up my another fell Scott, which was wee Peacock, and Peacock was... At Big Peaks had a few injuries in his time, didn't he? Mm. Um and we used to joke, right, what is it, the day peaks? So we, honestly, the guy was, I can't believe he could still even walk at that point. The amount of things they had, he'd all, he, he, throughout his career, he, he, he did a lot of, of injuries and some of them quite bad ones, actually. Anyway, we found this big cardboard cutout of him. I can't remember why they were using it. I don't know if it was in the shop or something. Anyway, me and, me and Jai got it, and um, we said to Peacock, we're going to play a game, and we kind of got all the boys and we put it in the put it in the shower room and it was put them on a chair and we're spinning them about and we blindfolded them and it, and it was to, you had to try and all the boys were having a go at it and you had to pin the injury on the peacock and it was like so you had to you had a you had a I can't remember what it was but you had to you had to try and see what he'd injured and then Peaks had to tell you if, if, if he'd injured it and basically it was every part of his body so we were kind of <laughs> giving him a bit with that one but nah listen I don't know I, I wasn't very good at little practical jokes Billy Painter he was the one for that and um, you know pesky youngsters like Callum Kennedy and Sean Morrison tried to throw biscuits out of third floor or I don't know fifth floor um, hotel room in Austria when I'm trying to read a book um, enjoying some some sun uh, I, I was uh, honestly, I was raging. It, 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 was, it was some strike, though. It was some strike, but they didn't come near me for the rest of that trip. <laughs> <laughs> they don't tell you that bit, do they? Nah, nah, nah. I was after them. <laughs> I was after them. Nice, patient football from Swindon Town. Now the delivery, saved by Elliot on the follow-up though. Matt Ritchie equalises for Swindon Town, and that goal has been coming. And took the words right out of my mind. were offered a contract at the end of that season. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone could begrudge the fact that you decided against it because that was a very frustrating season for you. And it's kind of like, for us as fans, we're like, well, we want a Craig Easton on the bench because what a great option that is. But for you, that's, yeah. you know, you've you've only got a few years left potentially in the tank. You know, you want to go and play as much football as you can. So you go to Southend United um, dropping back down to League Two, mm-hmm. I think, having a full season there. Sure. But what what I see here is 
does this start at Swindon? This sort of I don't want to say decline, but you have yeah. one year at Southend, then a little bit of time yeah. at Dunfermline, and then Torquay, where you where you join like Alan Neil. It just it just feels like it it ends so well, I joined rapidly. Martin, I joined Martin Wing, of course, yeah. Torquay first, um, but no, listen, it just kind of I picked up injuries. I kept tearing my calves mm. um, after I left Swindon, which was you know it was tough to leave, but I had to leave. Um, went to Southend, loved it. I had one season there as well. Was captain. Um, under Paul, um, and I thought I played. Really, really, I thought I had a decent season that season again. You know, I was feeling really good. I played most of the games that season. I think I won injury that season, um, but played. I think if you look at my stats, I probably played most of the games that were that, that we had that season. And then they offered me a contract that's twenty five percent less than what I was on as a captain, and I just went, "You're on the wind up," um, <laughs> and unfortunately they weren't. Uh, so, um, and I felt I was disappointed in Paul. Often being honest, but it was a, you know, I think his hands were a wee bit tied with it. But I felt he could have maybe done a wee bit more for me. So I just I, I could have signed, and I didn't. I, I, I turned it down, and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not saying. I just I, I, I probably my, my principles over. You know, I, I thought I, I can't let them do that kind of thing. You know, yeah. um, so I went and I. I went back up north in Dunfermline, signed for Dunfermline, and I was my, my thought there was only sign for six months and try and get. I was wanting to go to America actually, and maybe get in the shop window and try and get to America. Um, and unfortunately, I done my ankle ligaments in the first fifteen minutes of my debut. Um, uh, and I was out for eight weeks, uh, six weeks maybe, and then when I came back, I told my calf. So basically, I played three games for Dunfermline in six, five, four, five months, and. It was just a disaster, to be honest. Um, and then that's when I ended up going down to Torquay um, and signing for Torquay United. But, yeah, disappointing. Just bad timing, I suppose, as well. But, yeah, um, went to Torquay and enjoyed that season there. But, as I said, ended up tearing my calf again near the end of my time there. And then Alan Nell came in as manager and, and Martin didn't come back. Uh, what was I saying? Martin didn't come back. Martin didn't get the opportunity to come back, oh, and, absolutely, yeah. and and that that um, he he was wanting to take me in as a as a player coach the following season, and I was I was delighted with that because uh, I still thought I'd have a good few years in my tank. I probably felt as fit as I had in my career that season at Torquay United. Um, I was still really really fit, um, apart from a couple of injuries, and I thought I could still I could still give him at least thirty games a season, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't disappointing the way it finished, but that's what it is. It sure is. Now, I don't want to finish this conversation without talking about your coaching career because it's been quite interesting following it, and I've followed it pretty much since Rafe. Um, you, you beginning to build yourself quite a nice reputation of being really quite a decent coach, starting with Rafe Rovers as head of youth development and then back to Dundee United, um, working with their reserves and development yep. players and then now with yep. Cowden Beef uh, where you're assistant to Gary Bolland did you That's play right. with Gary? played with Gary yeah, yeah. so yeah. I mean at the moment and there are a lot of people from overseas are coming to Scotland for, for their courses aren't yeah. they so is there something is there something sort of promising happening with, with um, coaching up in Scotland? I don't know I think it's also a good reputation for putting on good courses Jose Mourinho is probably the most famous one that they talk about. He did he done his uh, A, A license and 
Um, I think um, Dia Spores as well, um, down in Scotland. So a lot of the Portuguese guys come over. We had a lot of Portuguese um, coaches on our licence and they're brilliant. It's really good. It's interesting because you get a total different perspective of, of um, you know, the way to do things. The, the more variety, the better, really, because you know, you're exposing yourself to different people, different methods, different philosophies. Um, and I think that's what the Scottish FA do well. They, you know, they put all these guys together and they put on good courses, to be fair, and they take a lot of stick as well, the SFA, for other stuff. And probably quite rightly, rightly so in a lot of times. But but in terms of their, their coach education, I've felt it's been... I've, I've enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. done my elite youth licence as well with them. And really just... Um, listen, if you can't come to these, you're not going to take everything away from these courses. But if you can't learn something from any of these things, then you're, you're, you've not got an open mind, you know. Yeah. Who who are your who are your influences, and what are your philosophies towards coaching? Oh, great question. Um, I think you, you take a lot of influences for people that you've worked with. I mean, I, I'll, I'll look at Martin Wing and, and Tommy McCoy and think about you know man management side of it. Paul Sturrock with his organisational stuff and, and how he sets his team up. Um, so I think you can learn from people throughout your own career. But in terms of like the big guys, I, mean, I love Jurgen Klopp, obviously being the Liverpool fan as well. But I even liked him when he was at Dortmund and that team that he had there that was just high energy. And I was almost like, listen, Pep's brilliant and I love Pep's Barcelona. Pep's Barcelona probably made me fall in love with football even more. But when I look at that Dortmund team, that was almost a different way of doing it as well. And I just felt um, that these guys are operating at the top level. Are, 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 they're unbelievable in terms of how they look at the game and how they get it, how they get their players to play the way they want to play. And I think that's the kind of thing that fascinates me, how they create the environment that encourages what they want or, or, or the end product. I think it's more that process of how they do it. And then... Um, for me, I, I love that style of play that Liverpool are playing at the moment. Um, and obviously, your philosophy has to adapt to the players that you've got as a manager or a coach. But, you know, I just like the, I like the way that they create the right environment to, to try and get the best out of the players. Yeah. Well, if it's not easy to maintain a 15, 16 season professional career. It's certainly not easy to maintain a coaching career because a lot of it is about networking and, and who you know and things like that. What's the goal for you in coaching? Do you want to manage or are you happy working in the development and being, you know, the uh, wingman to somebody else like you are at the moment? What's the plan? Um, ultimately, I'd like to be a manager. That's what I'm, that's what I'm putting all my, my, you know, the knowledge I'm gathering. You know, that's what I'm wanting put it towards being a manager myself but I'm really happy at the moment assisting Gary Bowen the gaffer at Cowden Beef and as I say learning again from somebody else that's had a really good career as a manager um, Gary's had a lot of good promotion uh, I've got a few promotions and he's done really well and I think we work well together so at the moment I'm kind of just obviously not doing anything but f- focusing on on that side of it um, but ultimately, yeah, I'd love, I'd love to try my hand at the management when the right when the time comes and when, when the right opportunity comes. You know, I think that's a, a big thing as well. You've got to try and I'm saying pick or be offered the right opportunity um, so that you get a good start because it's a very you, you know 
shelf life of our managers not not long at all. And if you don't get if you don't get the right start, then you, you might, your career could be done before it's even started. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay then. So as we close. When you close your eyes and think of Swindon Town, think of the people that you encountered on a day-to-day basis and the county where you lived for a couple of years, what immediately springs to mind? Well, I think it is the people, um, because you know there's so many, there's so many people that, that go into um, the football club or round about the football club that make your life or your family's life. Um, in my case, myself and Laura, at the time. Um, easier and enjoyable and and really you know there's so many to mention but it was you know we've still got friendships um in the area and round about the area and others that have moved on as well but i mean you're talking about teammates not just the teammates and, and by the way i'd love to give big big phil smith a mention in there he was my roommate for the last season there and me and him sort of had a, a good bond and he, he's a big nfl fan as well but i mean um, you think he was the first goalkeeper that I roomed with, um, and, and and you know he was a good lad, and, and me and him had a, a lot of good times, and, and got on well in that last season. But you know all the guys behind the scenes, Roger Jones, the kit man, you've got Dick, Dick the physio, um, legendary round about the Swindon area, not just at the club but in the pubs, <laughs> <laughs> um, pubs and nightclubs actually. To be fair to Dick, loved the night out, but you know. Guys like that, Dave Morrison, he was a strength and conditioning coach, good guy, brilliant, um, brilliant knowledge. Um, and, and you know, Steve and Webby, the masseuses that were there for ages, and then you've got Joe uh, that was always there with your, your food. Um, and then the guys in the office, you know, Chris Tanner, Marie, and you've got Adam, Mark, Mark Isaac, still there, I think, stadium manager now, or, or, or maybe, maybe even. Mm-hmm higher up than that and you know all the guys in, in, in about the office Nick Watkins as well I, I probably mentioned him because he was really um, the chief exec but he was a good guy you know he he, 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 put, he sort of kept his distance but at the same time I felt that he understood um, the players which isn't always a, a thing you associate with guys in his position um, but no listen all the people that were in the office round about and we still have friends there, um, and and the, you know what they did was they actually had a, a nice wee going away trip to Lydiard Park, and I didn't know it was a surprise actually. It was a surprise, and my wife was in on it, and we all went to Lydiard Park for the day. Uh, um, a, lot, a lot of the guys I've mentioned, and we, we had a nice wee time there, a few drinks and, and good fun, and, and you know it was just a nice way to sort of end it before I went to South End. Um, so you know, I mean, we've got, we've, as I said. The people are at the club, the people that were at the club, um, they're the ones that are always there wherever managers and players move on and I think that's where you get the real feel um, behind what a club's all about. And For my three years there, for our three years there, including Laura and this, um, three of the best years of our life, really. Lovely. Craig, thank you very much. No problem, mate. The Low Strangers is proudly sponsored by the official STFC Supporters Club. The music was created by the great Matthew Kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by John Daglish. Thanks for listening.
It's a grand old team to play for. And it's a grand old team to see. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.